Good morning. Welcome to Wake Up to the Word New Testament Friday. And it is actually Friday. Glad you're here with us. Thank you from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex being heard in seven countries. And we're glad that you're here. And if you're joining us from one of those seven countries, give us a shout out. Say hello. One thing I wanted to share with you is, um, obviously, we are into our third quarter of our Bible reading plan, which is a chronological Bible reading plan. So it's not necessarily just in order of the texts that are before you. Uh, the second thing is, we are transferring everything to YouTube. Um, not... Uh, Spotify will still carry uh, all the episodes, but I am currently in the process of trying to upload all the episodes to YouTube as well, <clears throat> and uh, so other people have a, an opportunity. People who don't do Spotify, um, I've had several requests for people who don't do Spotify, but they have gone to YouTube, so I do have a podcast uh, page on YouTube called Wake Up to the Word. Currently, there's, I don't know, 14 or 16 episodes that are uploaded. Might be as many as 18. I don't know. Uh, but uh, there's that many episodes already uploaded. So if you're just getting started and um, you're just hearing about it, uh, then go to YouTube or go to Spotify and you can watch these. So um, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we have some special stuff going on here on New Testament Friday, because you got a bonus chapter. Were you excited when you read that? 11 through 13 is like, yeah, we get to read an extra, an extra, an extra. Ah, cheers. Ah, we get to read an extra chapter. Woo, that's cool. All right. So uh, maybe it wasn't as cool for you. But, uh, very first uh, chapter we're reading is, uh, this is John 11, 12, and 13. That's what we're reading. Lots of stuff in here because we start right off with some, with some death. So that's not, uh, that's not too good. Um, yeah, it's a little sad. But uh, it gets better. Things get better. So let's start off right here in, in chapter 11. A uh, certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. Um, uh, the village of Mary and his sister Martha, it was Martha, it was Mary, excuse me, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So Jesus obviously cared for Lazarus. He was a great friend, <clears throat> but Jesus heard of it. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and and sis and and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard this that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. That's that's uh in the place where he was. And so the disciples probably wondering, what is going on? Let's go to Judea. The <clears throat> disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, 
Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. So <clears throat> Jesus knew that Lazarus had died already while he was there. So he's going to go to where Lazarus is. And uh, he waited two days because he, he actually seemed to be waiting for Lazarus to die. We know the story. We know the account already. So he's, our, he's waiting for Lazarus to die. And... Uh, so then they go to see him, uh, and Jesus says, uh, now, now when Jesus came, this is 17 of chapter 11. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. And so Martha said to Jesus, verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Great faith. That is an amazing faith right there that she knows. She knows that this is God, that this is the creator, that this, that the power that Jesus has uh, is not limited in any way. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Another important verse they expect a resurrection. They were expecting a resurrection. We expect a resurrection. Thessalonians talks about a resurrection. There is a resurrection. I don't think anyone in the evangelical Christ-believing world does not believe that there's, a res that there's no resurrection. There's definitely a resurrection. This in-house debate about where that resurrection is or how it takes place that's not a device, shouldn't be a divisive issue. It should dig, get us into the word, digging into the word, not pointing fingers at each other and saying, they're doofuses, uh, don't listen to them, uh, their teaching is heresy. No, we all teach the resurrection. If you don't teach the resurrection, you're actually in the Sadducees camp. So put yourself there. Um, so uh, that's where we need to, plant ourselves without finger pointing. Um, Martha knew there was a resurrection. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. So she totally believes this. So Jesus comes to where the tomb is and and people are crying. Jesus saw her weeping, the sisters, uh, deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He said, uh, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opens the eyes of the blind man, also have kept this man from dying. So they're looking at the situation. They understand who Jesus is. They've seen the miracles, and they knew he could have kept, he could have healed him from dying. But now, great question that they asked, couldn't he have kept him from dying? Yes. But the real truth is, 
is he the is he the author of life here? He says he tells them to take the stone away. And he said he looks at the disciples and says, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? Jesus then says, Father, I thank you that you have heard, that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out, cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is very cool in that Jesus calls him out by name. Some scholars say that if Jesus had just said, come out, all the dead would have just risen, come, come back alive. But he was very specific. Lazarus, come out. He called him by name and he comes out with his, you know, all wrapped up because he was in, in burial linens. And he instructed them to unbind him. I'm going to connect this back to the Old Testament that we that we read uh, this week, back in Deuteronomy, where we talked about, um, if I can find it quickly, in Deuteronomy, where we talked about coming alongside those people. Where were we? We were... Uh, 15. Let me keep going here. This The physical picture in 15, uh, it says, Generosity to those who come to freedom. Remember that, the, they said, Remember when you were slaves, Deuteronomy 15, 15. Remember when you were slaves in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you, uh, command you this day, he says, to bless those people who've been set free. Remember the remember those slaves? They set him free. He says to bless them. This is the same picture that Jesus is saying. When someone comes to salvation, they're still bound in death clothing. They're, they don't know how to be free. Just like those slaves in bondage, this is someone bound to death. They came out, he's bound in the death clothes. People don't know how to walk in faith. And Jesus sent those who were alive to go unbind him. We have to do the same thing. People who come to faith need to be walking with somebody. They need to know how to live the life of faith. They just don't know it automatically. Sure, the Spirit will lead them, sure, but the Spirit leads them to pe people of faith. All these things are pictures of what we're supposed to be doing. The spiritual world is very different to those who were lost and they do not understand what's happening. They get, a, they get a taste of the freedom. They're going to walk in the freedom. They're very excited about it, but they need discipleship. And that's why Jesus said, make disciples. He didn't say make converts. He said, make disciples. So when you see someone who's freed from the bondage of sin, when you see someone who's freed from the chains of death, we need to walk with them. And I'm telling you, we're going to do a discipleship group Wednesday starting in August at Word on Wednesday at the Family Center. So if you live locally, come on in. If you're not locally, you can watch it. Uh, we stream it. And we're going to be giving out discipleship booklets both for a mentor 
and for a disciple. And so we're going to be training through that through the month of August um, because we're going to start something new in September. But the month of August, we're going to take those four Wednesdays and we're going to walk through this discipleship program together so when you get a chance to walk with somebody, you have a tool. Not everybody needs this. I get this. Some of you already can walk with somebody without any issue. This is not for you. But for those who say, I want to do this, but I don't know where to start, this is for you. So Wednesday night, starting in August, I think it's August 2nd, start coming out. We're going to be getting the word out here at Life Coast, but I wanted to put that quick pitch in. So uh, now here's the thing. Jesus raised Lazarus. This is the end of 11. Jesus raises Lazarus, and the word spreads, obviously. When someone raised from the dead, the word spreads. And, uh, but now they, the, the, they're in trouble with the, with the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the priests. And Caiaphas, who's the high priest, actually says something prophetic. And because he's the high priest, um, it has great weight. Uh, but he says they're going to start following him, and Rome's going to come down on us, and he's going to die, and so is the whole nation of Israel, because Rome's going to come down and crush us, because the, all the people are going to be following him. So he says, uh, and he prophesies that Jesus would, oh, uh, just a few verses before, 50, nor do you understand, Caiaphas says this, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should perish for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And 52, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into, the, gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. You see this great bait and switch going on. And, and I'm sorry, but God does bait and switch for his purposes, especially the enemy. Um, the, all those that rebelled, all those divine spiritual beings that rebelled, he'll bait and switch them all day long. He bait and switched Satan. Satan thinks he's in the realm of death. Jesus gets put to death. He's now going to be in the realm of Satan. He didn't realize that Jesus was paying the penalty for all people. Greatest bait and switch to ever take place in all of history, all of eternity. So then we come to chapter 12, and now they plot to kill Lazarus. We got Mary anointing Jesus at Bethany, and this is an important in the line of things that have to happen. The lambs, before they got sacrificed, were anointed with oil to, to be clean, to be fresh, to keep the flies off them, to keep them from, from uh, uh, getting any uh, injuries or healing them if they, they couldn't have any scars or marks. So they didn't want the flies to be on them. So uh, they got anointed with oil. So all the lambs that were going to be sacrificed got anointed with oil. And Mary anoints Jesus with oil here. Uh, six days before Passover, this is exactly when the lambs were were selected in that in that in that area in that time frame. So uh, the plot to kill Jesus, plot to kill Lazarus. Why does Lazarus have to die? He just got raised from the dead. Did you answer? Yeah, you got to get rid of the evidence. If you're going to kill Messiah, you got to get rid of the evidence that he's Messiah. I know there's a lot of people that he's healed. 
but raising someone from the dead kind of draws some attention. That brings us to the triumphal entry in chapter 12, where he comes into the streets and they're laying palms. Sorry about that. Um, so he he puts, uh, they, they lay palms down, which is uh, uh, a tradition of a triumphal uh, entry of, of, a, of a battle and a triumphal entry. And then they were shouting, uh, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Um, but, you know, Hoshana, if you're Hebrew, it sounds much more, which means please save us. Hoshana, Hoshana. Um, and so... Uh, the crowd, there's a great verse in here in chapter 17. If you don't think this was a big deal, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. They followed him right into Jerusalem. If you don't think something like that doesn't spread fast, um, especially in the day, a day and age way before television or radio or anything like that, Word of mouth was the only way that things spread. So it was done intentionally. People looked for that. The, the city square, the town square was where the news happened. And so they went in there spreading the word. This is the one. This is the Messiah. He raised Lazarus from the dead. We saw it happen. So even the Greeks were seeking Jesus. Uh, and Jesus says that the Son of Man must be lifted up. There's an interesting verse in here. Now, uh, I'm going to start at 31 and read 32. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. That is an interesting verse. There's two things going on. Is you've got the ruler of this world... Um, and now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Be cast out. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I will, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, sounds like the resurrection, will draw all people to myself. So there's some kind of draw that happens because of the resurrection, drawing people to himself. Doesn't mean everybody's saved, but everybody gets that kind of a revelation because of Jesus, of the resurrection. Understand the resurrection is pivotal to the gospel. If you don't talk about the resurrection, then you're not talking about the gospel. This is pivotal. This changed everything. It changed all of Judaism. It brought the new covenant into being. The resurrection is what we need to talk about. The risen Christ calls himself at 36, while you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. And this is what we should be. We should be sons and daughters of the light, of light, because we should be reflecting Christ in all that we do. And the problem was when Jesus said these things, he departed and hid himself from them, though he had done so many signs before them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. Amazing. That was verse 37 of chapter 12. So 
There's Old Testament verses in Isaiah that talk about this very thing. He has blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts. They see his, his, their eyes and understand their hearts in turn. And I would heal them. They didn't understand it. That's, a ver that's chapter 40, excuse me. Verse 40 of chapter 12 is quoting from Isaiah. So Jesus came to the world to save it, not to judge it. This is verse 48. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So the Bible itself brings the word. The, the, the written word brings the living word, the, the words of judgment. We, we share the word of God um, and, and let people know that this is the truth. And this is what judges them. <clears throat> then the Jesus uh, washes the feet of the disciples. This is the, it says, uh, now before the feast of the Passover. So we talked about this in our old, on Old Testament Thursday yesterday. Um, the Passover, the, this is the Feast of Weeks and the Passover meal. They're sometimes called the Feast of the Passover. But the, the, there's a Passover meal and the Feast of Weeks is, is, takes place right, the, starts the very next day. They're often... Uh, combined in what they are. Um, this is, uh, I, I love talking about this, 13, starting at verse 3. I'm going to read a few verses here. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into him and that he had come from, from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I got asked this question once. Someone read that verse and then asked me a question. And I thought, what an amazing question. So I'm going to ask you the same question. I wrote it right here in my Bible. How do you respond when you know or you realize you are the most powerful and influential person in the room. How do you respond? What do you do? How do you act? This is what this is telling us. Jesus knowing that God had given him all authority washed their feet. Is that our humble heart? When we walk into a room, if we know we have authority, Authority, we have influence. We, when we realize that in a room, when we come to understand that, when we see the room, remember there's that saying, you know, read the room, read the room. Okay, read the room. When you walk in, do you have influence? Does that translate into humility or hubris? I ask you the question. So, Jesus says something that Peter gets in a little, little, of course it was Peter, gets in a little uh, to do with Jesus. You know, I don't want you to wash my feet. You're, you're, too, you're too amazing. I don't want you to do that. He goes, if you don't wash my feet, you can't be with me. He goes, oh, I'll wash my whole body then. And then Jesus says this. It's very interesting. The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one. Not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Okay, the Judas thing aside, the Judas connection there aside, the great, uh, great test is uh, uh, if, if, you're, if you're clean, 
You don't have to wash your whole body. Just wash what got dirty. And, and this is a great lesson for us in life. Uh, if we have salvation and we make a mistake, we sin, we do something wrong, we don't have to re-cleanse ourselves. We don't have to get re-saved. We just have to fix the dirty area. We just have to clean up the mess, the messy part. Uh, they're walking on their feet. They're getting dirty on their feet. You just have to clean the feet. If you've, if you've done something, said something, hurt someone, you don't have to go back for salvation every time. What you do have to do is correct the issue. Clean up the mess. Clean the dirty area. Let go of the sin in that area. Make it clean like the rest. Good lesson. Uh, <clears throat> then we got uh, Satan entered Judas. Uh, the one betrays him. They're doing the, the meal thing. And uh, he says, the one that dips with me, Judas dips with him. Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what, do you, what you are going to do, do quickly. Apostles didn't know what was going on. Couldn't figure it out right away till later. Then this new commandment comes up. We're almost done here. Uh, verse 33. Little children, yet a, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people, not just believers, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is what we're called to do. We're called to love one another. We're called to show that the family of God is something different. Uh, the next part is Peter's denial. Peter says, I'm going to follow you anywhere even if I have to die. And Jesus says, truly I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. That's what we got for today. And uh, Peter was restored, which we'll get to next week. Nope. Nope. A few weeks. All right, we got to catch up. We got some parallel verses that we're going to go through. So we love you guys. So glad you joined us here. Wake up to the word. And you know, that's right, we will be back. Good to see you. Have a great weekend. Some dork teaching at Life Post on Sunday. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.